Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 254 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It is Tuesday, November 24th, Thanksgiving week, and we were all set to welcome in the basketball season tomorrow, but as I mentioned on the last episode, we left too much time on the clock for COVID to mess things up. We will talk about all of that and the new site of the 2021 ACC Men's Basketball Tournament. Before we do everything, I am Donald Wine, your host for this episode. I did do some traveling down to visit my dad and brother in Texas for Thanksgiving, so that is where I am today. But as usual, I have my friends with me. First, Jason Evans in Atlanta. Hello, sir. Hey, Donald. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hide it at all. I'm not surprised, but I'm also really disappointed that there is not going to be a Duke basketball game tomorrow. It sucks, man. COVID. It really COVID does. Sucks. There we go. I, I, Jason I, Evans. I want to take out. COVID. I bet. <laughs> I want to. Oh, that was our episode, ladies and gentlemen. But before <laughs> before we close out, uh, no, really, we have Sam Klein and Boston. Uh, hello, Sam. Hello. I would like to concur with Jason that. COVID-19 really sucks. And if you didn't see this coming, as far as the basketball schedule this week, then I don't know, maybe you're living in a different reality than I am. Because we said that it was inevitable that games would get canceled and moved around. And here we are. I, I, by the way, I feel, I feel foolish. When we were doing the stat game, I said, you know, we could see like maybe even one or two Duke games get canceled. Over one. So far, so far, we're over <laughs> one. one. And, and look, don't be surprised if all five of Duke's non-Power Five non-conference games are just out the window, like in the next couple of weeks. Even if, even even in, with the best of intentions, they might all be gone. Yeah. So let's begin with the news that came down yesterday to take the wind out of our sails. Literally, as I exited the airport here in Dallas-Fort Worth, we received the news that Duke's season opener against Gardner-Webb was postponed because of a positive coronavirus case in Gardner-Webb's program. We should note that no one from Duke has tested positive, but because one from Gardner-Webb did, the season opener is off. They are hoping to make it up at some point down the line where the schedules can allow, but, I mean, we don't know if that's going to happen. And as you guys said, it's disappointing to say the least. We were finally ready to see our guys play someone other than themselves in the game of basketball and get the season underway. But that is delayed for at least a few more days, the season opener now being Saturday against Coppin State for now. So, Jason, I'm going to begin with you. Give me your thoughts on this. And I, I, I know when we were discussing this amongst each, each other yesterday – we were going over whether Duke would just bring in another team to play. So give me your thoughts there as well in the fact that we will not have anyone in Cameron to play Duke tomorrow night. So it's easy to come up with other potential teams that that Duke could maybe pick to, to replace Gardner-Webb. I, I mentioned, I think I mentioned to you guys, East Carolina is a, is a pretty obvious choice here. They had a game that, that was supposed to be played this week um, where their opponent – ran into some COVID problems. And so East Carolina, that game got canceled. And so East Carolina is presumably, they got an open date on their schedule as well. Duke, when they announced that East Carolina would not be playing them, said, we're going to try and make up this game. I don't think there's any great desire on the part of Duke to try and work out something at the last minute with East Carolina or any other team that is potentially nearby that could potentially substitute into this game. I think there's a simple reality which is that at the moment, there are students on campuses all over the country. There is also COVID on campuses all over the country. And 
starting in about four or five days, actually less than that, starting in about three days, there won't be students on campus anymore because everyone's going to go home for Thanksgiving. And for most of those schools, they're not going to come back until the new year. And I think the coaches recognize that they will be able to control things better when it's just their players, just their team that they are dealing with. And they don't have to deal with how is their team interacting with other students. Now, I know at Duke, they've done a really good job of segregating the team off from the rest of the students. And there are plenty of other schools that have done that. But there are a lot of schools where they have not been able to do that, where it's not practical to do that. And so until all the students leave campus and we can go, okay, let's take a pause. Let's take a break. Let's make sure there's no COVID around here. All right, now we sort of have this little mini bubble of our basketball team, perhaps our football team, whatever else it may be, on campus and no one else is around. That becomes a much safer situation. I think I saw that there have been 11 major conference, big time teams who've had their opening game canceled already. That is now up to at least 20. That's just for tomorrow, not counting the rest of the week and the weekend. Just for tomorrow, as of now, over 20 games have been postponed on opening day, which for college basketball, if you're in the NCAA, that is terrible. And also I will note, we know the going rate now for a postponement in basketball. It's one, it's one case. And, and you know, like, whereas in college football, it seems like it's like 50 or 60 uh, guys, you can still play here. If there's one guy, then they are, you know, really taking the necessary steps and postponing a lot of these games, which is why you've seen so many cancel. The thinking there, Donald, is that with football players, at least you can figure that most of the practicing is done outside, not the weightlifting, but the practicing at least. So you can try to have a lot more outdoor activities. Basketball just has to be played indoors, at least at the collegiate level. I mean, I don't know if they're going to start moving to blacktops in the middle of the winter, but they're playing the basketball games indoors. So if one guy has it, the concern is he's in the gym with the other players and the coaches basically every day. So it's unlikely that, that one case is isolated on a basketball program. It is likely that if one guy has it, there are a few guys and it doesn't take many players to lop them off the basketball roster. And all of a sudden you don't even have enough guys to play there. There's just not that many spots to play with. Jason, the point you brought up is interesting about or about students not being on campus from the Thanksgiving break on through the new year and possibly even into the second semester. I think there's an opportunity here for schools that, look, if they want to get more games in and, and we can debate the value of every individual game here, be it a non-conference game against a, a weak opponent, a non-conference game against another Power 5 opponent like Duke's games upcoming against Michigan State and Illinois, or the ACC games, those games are certainly going to be more valuable. How valuable are they? And therefore, should the teams be trying to schedule these games closer to Christmas? We know that Duke traditionally takes an almost two-week break every year for the Christmas holiday so that players can go home. This year, are the players going to go home? I doubt it. And if they are, you know, I don't know if that's if that's the smartest thing. I don't know that Duke wants to be sending students home in, in the middle of a basketball season to go home to their families, be there for a week or two and then and then come back. So that this might be an opportunity to, hey, play more games. The NBA plays on Christmas. I don't know if Duke wants to play on Christmas or, or right around it. But there's a there's a stretch of, of empty space there on the schedule when you could fill in more games. And if the if the teams all feel like they're they're at least temporarily bubbled up. You know, th th this is an opportunity for that. You know, one more quick thing about Duke. Um, 
I'm sure we recall from from our you know podcast we did with about the the schedule and how you know it was coming together in some sort of crazy kind of ways. Duke was one of the first teams. Duke was the first team to say we're not going to South Dakota to play in this in this uh, you know exempt tournament that was put out there. Boy, how smart! I want to know who is giving Coach K advice about the health matters on these things and what we should be doing because we look like friggin' geniuses at this point. No one wants to go to South Dakota. The, 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 pos- the testing rates in South Dakota right now, 50% of the tests in South Dakota are coming back positive. Higher. Like, it's, it's, it's 60% yeah. now. COVID is insane in South Dakota. And the fact that almost a month ago, Duke and their health advisors and Coach K said, nah, we're not playing a tournament in South Dakota it looks like we have a crystal ball or something. I mean, really smart that we got out of that and that we're trying to stay as much in our own backyard as we possibly can. I think it begs to note the fact that uh, in that South Dakota exempt tournament or whatever that was trying to be the replacement for the battle for Atlantis, which we were going to be in, one of the replacements for Duke, the University of Detroit Mercy, has pulled out of that tournament because they have COVID cases. So this is this is what we're at right now. And it leads me to just the fact that the exponential growth of, of, of cases have led to a lot of basketball games being canceled. And, and really, you have, I mean, Baylor, Tennessee, UConn, Miami, Utah, several other pro big-time programs. Both the Arizona schools. Both the Arizona schools are among these teams that are either canceling games because they have cases within their program or all out just suspending their programs for a couple of weeks so they can get it under control. I think we, we've talked about this before. But we're at this point now. The ACC needs to absolutely seriously consider putting teams into a bubble for the regular season, uh, for the conference schedule of the season. Because we're not talking about this starting in January like it normally is, or the last week in December. We play in three weeks our first ACC game against Notre Dame. And that's to travel to Notre Dame. We need to have this figured out by then because if teams are getting – I mean, there's some teams that will not be playing until the first weekend in December as of right now because they've suspended everything for two weeks. So if we don't get this under control now, you're starting to bleed into ACC conference season. And and now I I think the real genius is – I don't think anyone's really a genius for saying they didn't want to go to South Dakota because South Dakota was wild back then when they made that decision. I think the people who are geniuses right now, and I hate saying this, is the NCAA for setting that minimum mark at 13. Because right now, there are so many teams that right now, I'm like, I don't know if they're going to hit 13. Yeah, Ole Miss, um, they just had a COVID outbreak on their team, and they had to cancel four games. Uh, they, they only had, Ole Miss only had nine non-conference games. Four of them are now gone. And, and that's, you know, that's assuming they're able to play all the rest of their games. There, there is a, a bigger and bigger push across college basketball. You're hearing about it like on Twitter and elsewhere to go non to, to get rid of all non-conference games, go to conference games only. And I want to point out, we thought that the NCAA tournament was going to have a difficult time figuring things out when everyone was only going to play, you know, five, six, maybe seven non-conference games. We're seeing more and more teams canceling these games. I think you're going to have a lot of teams that play zero, one, maybe two, and they won't be super competitive non-conference games. It's going to be very tough for the NCAA to figure this stuff out. And looking ahead, Donald, what you were suggesting about the ACC doing a bubble, that would be reliant on all of those programs 
following a, a pretty good protocol leading up to it. Because you remember like when the NBA and MLS did their bubbles, the players all arrived and then had to quarantine for, I think it was like a week. And they were testing, testing every day so that after a week and a lot of testing, they could pretty much guarantee that that the people who had arrived were not infected. Then they could start having team activities and playing the games. The whole process of having a 20-game ACC schedule won't take quite as long as it would in normal times because you don't have to have quite as much downtime between games, but you do have to have a lag for everybody to show up and and do the bubbling. And by the way, where is it going to happen? I think the logistics of this are, are, are going to be very complicated. They they haven't set it up ahead of time. The NBA is not doing the bubbling thing again. They're going to be doing basically what Major League Baseball did, at least at the beginning of the season, which is playing in, in home arenas and not having fans. And we'll see how long that lasts. I mean, we're, it's funny because right now all the focus is on college basketball because that's the next thing upcoming. And, and looking at college football, which is currently a mess of cancellations and reschedulings, I feel like there hasn't been much talk about the NBA agreeing to come back in a month. And they have to ramp up training camp. They got to get all these facilities ready to go. And they got to get protocols in place so that all of them can stay safe. And that's going to be harder than it was for baseball because the NBA is all played indoors. So th- th- there, are, there are a lot of challenges across not just the NCAA, but, but all these sporting leagues right now to get winter sports going. I don't think there is any way that the ACC is going to try to bubble up. It just, to me, it doesn't make sense. It's, it's expensive. It is very difficult to do in terms of the logistics of getting everyone in the same place and then protecting that place so that nothing from the outside infects it. And the bottom line is where I am right now, you know, we're going to talk about the ACC tournament. You know, I, I mentioned the NCAA tournament, trying to figure out seeding that. We're talking about conference seasons and the such. As much as you need to plan for the future, the reality is the virus dictates what is going to happen and what is going to change. And right now we're in a really, really bad spot. And it's possible that things will get worse, but it's also possible maybe things will get a little bit better. And and so I don't know how you could say, hey, in January, we're going to try and do X or Y. I think you don't know yet. What we have learned abundantly over the past few months is you can think about it, but what actually ends up happening is sometimes very, very, very different because you just don't know the way the virus is going to move. One thing that I that is interesting here is that I am not hearing a ton of chatter about waiting for the vaccine. And I'm glad that that's the case because as much excitement as there is about the multiple vaccines that are, that are in the pipeline and, and seem to be potentially uh, able to be distributed by the end of this year, at least initially, I don't want the NCAA and and the basketball committee and anyone planning around the vaccine being available in the spring for for programs, because that would get really dicey. Actually, Rick Pitino, remember, Rick Pitino is back in coaching, coaching Iona. Rick Pitino, for the past day or so, has been saying on Twitter, we need to postpone the season. He wants to postpone it until March. He wants to start the season in March, play the NCAA tournament in May, and he said that's because we will have the vaccine and be able to actually have fans and things like that. I think he's wildly optimistic. Yeah, it, it's pretty. But, it's still a pretty bold guess to say not only that the rest of the like the vaccine testing has to go well, the distribution has to go well, and you also have to have enough people actually agreeing to take the vaccine, which not to get into the whole politics of it, but that's not a guarantee either, especially if we're only looking at May. Like May is when they expect that, you know, if you are 
if you're in a city or you have a good health insurance plan, like then you might be able to get the vaccine if you're not someone that otherwise needs it for some outstanding reason. You're a you're a first responder or an essential worker or a whatever. College basketball players are not are not essential workers by any means. They're not getting the vaccine ahead of people. And maybe because Duke is a big hospital system, they would be able to to vaccinate the the Duke program ahead of time because they might just get the the privilege of being first in line. But all the teams that Duke plays in the tournament are not in that same position. And you need dozens of teams for an NCAA tournament, not just two or three. There's so many variables in this. We, I mean, just think about it. When we started talking about this back in like August, at least in basketball terms, right? We got all the way to two days before the season started, before something went wrong. Because again, as I mentioned back in August, you have to go 1-0 every day. And if you don't go 1-0 on one day, it messes everything up. Someone didn't go 1-0 yesterday, and because of that, Duke is not playing on Wednesday. Here's a thought that I had actually this morning about this as I was consuming all of this news. As the pandemic has gone on, so let's think back to March when we all started going home, basically, and, and, and quarantining. I feel like when it started, it was, we need to do this for a couple weeks and then we'll be able to come back. And then a couple weeks went by and it was, okay, we need to do a few more weeks. And as time has gone on, the amount of time that I feel like I am expecting to wait until things return to normal is just the amount of time that has already passed since the beginning of the pandemic. So as of early April, it was, okay, it's been about three weeks. There's probably about three more weeks of this and then things will return to normal, which sort of tracks with the speed at which Duke canceled classes on campus and then they canceled graduation and then summer activities. So by the time graduation, what would have been graduation came around, it had been two months. And at that point, I think I was thinking, all right, we probably have a couple more months of this. It seems like it's already peaked in the Northeast. Maybe by the time the fall comes around, that, that's like a couple more months from now, things will be back to normal and we'll be able to do college basketball. Then we were talking a couple months ago, like it's September, October time about, all right, we're planning the season. And, and remember in your head, it's now been like five months since the pandemic started. And you're like, well, this might be a thing through the rest of the basketball season. Now we are, what, eight months into this, seven months into this? Nine months in, I, I can't count it's, anymore. It's been it's 84 been, years. It's been too long. It's been 84 years since the pandemic started, which means it's 84 more months, 84 more years of this. So so I, I, I don't know when my brain is going to stop doing that. Probably when like the first person that I know gets the vaccine. That's like maybe when this thought process ends. But as far as as far as I'm concerned, the the time towards return to normal just continues elongating with the amount of time that it's been since I last thought things were normal. I, th I think it's a great point that you made and an interesting observation, but we are about nine months in. I think we'll be out in less than nine months. I, I, I really do. Maybe I'm wildly optimistic. I think we are less than nine but months. But isn't it done. crazy that that we are yes. having a discussion about <laughs> nine months from now being being a potentially optimistic prediction for when things return to normal? This as is depressing. I said on Sunday <laughs> when we did the stats game, as I said, and, and as I keep saying, there is too much time on this clock. COVID can still mess things up. I know we might be nine months away, but there's nine months for COVID to mess this up. Uh, <laughs> this is like scoring against the the peak Tom Brady Patriots with like three minutes to go in the game instead of just holding on to the ball. 
right? It's like don't don't give don't give the ball oh, back to yeah. the Patriots. <laughs> oh, oh, you said that to a Falcons fan. That is I know. You gave, <laughs> it was really yeah, the mean. The Falcons gave the ball back to the Patriots a lot. It wasn't just once. So <laughs> fine. You want to make this? You want you want you want to make this cut to the heart of Duke fans? This is like having the kickoff go to Miami. At the at the end of the game, and then and then just assuming that they're going to fall why down. You, why you bring? Sorry, why, I, I don't why know. Why you if, bringing up old stuff? That that was that was years ago. That was. Like, <laughs> I, uh, this is look. This is just this is just what happens, man. All right. Sometimes sometimes we lose the game, and that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, but this isn't fine. We are not playing basketball tomorrow. We will play, hopefully on Saturday. We'll cross our fingers for that. I think this is a good time to pause for a quick break. On the other side, though, the ACC tournament will have a new home in 2021. Stick around to find out where it is. We are back and we shift gears to the 2021 ACC men's basketball tournament. It was supposed to be hosted in my home of Washington, D.C. this year. But, of course, COVID has rewritten the playbook for everything sports this year. And why should 2021 be any different, right? Uh, The ACC announced just a couple hours before we started recording that the ACC tournament this year will be at the Greensboro Coliseum. This move is obviously because of COVID, which makes sense. Also, if you recall, last year's tournament was supposed to be in Greensboro. It was there for the first two days, and then it was promptly canceled when this pandemic fully began. The tournament will return to D.C. in 2024 now, so the schedule for ACC tournaments, 2021 in Greensboro, 2022 at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, back to Greensboro in 2023, and then to the Capital One Arena in D.C. in 2024. Jason, is this the right move for the ACC? I mean, they're still planning on having it on their normal dates of March 9th through 13th, which, correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't leave a lot of wiggle room for makeup games at the end of the regular season. I will go back to what I said earlier in our podcast, which is, are you actually talking about planning something for March right now? Tomorrow, tomorrow, Allen Iverson, we're talking about planning here. Not the game. Not the game. We're talking about planning. Exactly. Uh, sure. Move it to Greensboro. I, it's not as big of a city, so maybe there, it's a little easier to, to potentially control things. I, I don't know. Um, I, I cannot even begin to forecast what COVID will look like, uh, what basketball will look like, or any of that stuff in March. It, it's, it's just too soon. And... I Greensboro is closer to where most of the ACC teams are located. Uh, so, you know, so fewer ACC teams have to hop on a plane. I mean, sure, I, I guess. Why not? There's just not that much to say about it. The only thing I want to add is there, there, there was a truly brilliant tweet by Ben Swain. If you, if you don't follow Ben Swain on Twitter, you're making a grave mistake. Ben Swain tweeted that uh, Wake Forest versus To Be Announced will be playing in the ACC tournament on Tuesday, March 9th. Um, and that game has been moved from D.C. to Greensboro. The rest of the tournament will also take place in Greensboro. I thought that was a brilliant tweet because he correctly identified that Wake Forest will be playing in the play-in game. <laughs> he said everything else about the ACC is uncertain, but Wake Forest will be playing in the play-in game, and it'll be played in Greensboro. He's right. Everything else is uncertain. And I think even the Greensboro part is uncertain. Maybe to the degree that being in Greensboro allows the ACC to have a little bit more control over the thing than it would be in a big city. I like it. And also perhaps because it just feels like we're in simpler times. The ACC is playing their tournament in Greensboro. It just sounds like it could have been from from any year from the last 60 years. So that much is fun. Otherwise, 
yeah, like you said, Jason, it doesn't make a huge difference for this year. It's not like there are going to be fans in the Coliseum or wherever they're playing in anyway, so there's no atmosphere to, to any of these arenas if there's no fans there. Yeah, I, I think the only thing for me, other than the fact that it would have been in D.C., and if if we were in a safer time, it would be you know easy for me to go, is the fact that D.C., from a COVID standpoint, has actually done quite well compared to the rest of the nation. They're, I think, 48th in total number of cases uh, among cities and 48th lowest. Uh, so that means that they are, you know, towards the bottom. They've done better than most states uh, when it comes to it. And, I mean, I live, you know, I'm sitting here in Texas. This county has had more in a week than D.C. has had during the entire pandemic. So I would think that putting it in D.C. would be a safer place with regards to COVID, but I fully understand them wanting to bring everything in-house and keeping it in Greensboro makes a lot of sense to me. And we had a little parting shot. I, we don't do these these often, but as the season was going to begin, we were going to start bringing them back, but Sam has one. Sam, go ahead. I, I haven't told you guys what this is. It's a it's a fun story. It's, a, it's very quick, but anytime we talk about recruiting on this program or about college students in general, we always mention that they have they have short-term memories about who's famous and and like who went to your school so so guys fade from memory a lot faster when you're only asking college students or high school students so so the dudes that that high school students know who went to duke who then they can follow is like a pretty short list and i have a, a fun example of it it's fun perhaps depressing for all of us because yesterday i was chatting with one of my coworkers who just graduated from college this spring so he's 22, 23 years old, something around there. And we were talking about Duke basketball. He didn't go to Duke, but he was asking me about Duke basketball and being on campus for the games, et cetera. Sort of, I assume it's the same conversation that, that any Duke alum from the last like 30 years has anytime they meet somebody and they tell them they went to Duke. And so he was like, Oh, so when you were at Duke, who were the who were the players that were that were there? Who were the the notable players? And I said, Well, I was in the same class as Nolan Smith and Kyle Singler. He goes, don't know Nolan Smith, but I think I know Kyle Singler. <laughs> and this kid, he's and he's like a basketball fan, you know? Because guess what? Nolan Smith and I graduated from college nine years ago. So this guy would have been, you know, 12 years old when we graduated. And unless he was specifically following that team, you know, that that's ancient history at this point. So keep in mind, fans, when, when you think about, like, what's the perception of your program and how come recruits don't think we're cool anymore – the, the oldest Duke player that matters at this point in terms of, like, relevance to, to current high school players is probably, like, the class of Jolly Locafor and Tyus Jones and Justice Winslow. Like, does Austin Rivers, do, does Kyrie Irving still still resonate? I don't know. Maybe. But he's old at this point for, <laughs> for, for kids who are in high school. So keep that one in mind. I thought it was fun. Let's put it this way. The 2001 championship is going to celebrate its 20th anniversary this year. That means 75% of campus was not alive for that yeah. game. Almost the entire basketball, <laughs> almost the entire group of this year's basketball team was not alive for the 2001 for, championship, right. let alone remembering it. Yeah, that's that's That's, that's, crazy. that's how relevant you have to remain to be a top flight program. The fact that, that Kansas won a national championship in 2008 does not matter to anybody going to college right now. That That exactly. is too long ago for them to remember. Which is crazy to me. But, yeah, that, that's what it is. It is what it is. Uh, before we wrap up, I we won't talk to you guys until after Thanksgiving. So I just want to go around the horn real quick and ask Sam and Jason to give me one quick thing 
they are thankful for this season with regards to Duke basketball. Sam, I'll let you go first. I mentioned the, the being a Duke alum and being a Duke fan out in the world. The thing I am grateful for is all of the other Duke fans and alumni who are in whatever city that I happen to be living in. I, you all know that I've, I've moved around the last couple of years, and everywhere that I've gone, I've gotten to meet Duke alums and, and talk about Duke basketball, and it's an amazing like entry point to, to any conversation, not just because I happen to be on this program, but even with folks that don't know that I do this, it's it's remarkable. So I am grateful for, I guess, the Cameron crazies who are scattered around the globe. It's a it's a wonderful community to be a part of. I think for the most part, it's a pretty supportive and, and cool community. So I'm grateful for that. So I give thanks to the Cameron crazies, both at home in Durham and and wherever they may be scattered. And I will say I am thankful that I root for a basketball program that does things the right way. And by that, I mean, oof, good luck with this <laughs> with this statement. I really hope you're right. <laughs> no, by by that, I mean, obviously, we talk about the fact that that we see. Look, when I go back and visit campus, I see the Duke basketball players actually going to class Um uh, I, I feel like our program is one that doesn't get in trouble, but it's more than that. And I was specific. The reason I specifically thought of this was I was thinking about COVID and I was thinking about the start of the pandemic and the ACC tournament that was going on in Greensboro that got called off. And everyone has reported that the reason the ACC tournament got called off was because Duke and the doctors who advise us said, no, we're not coming. We're doing the right thing, which is we are not coming. And the ACC went, hmm. If Duke's not coming, we need to really think about this. And I think we're sort of seeing that same kind of thing happening happening here now as we're about to start up the season again. Duke's not Duke's not rushing into finding a new opponent for the one that, that canceled on us. Duke's not going out someplace and flying off to different locations. They are largely scheduling teams who can get to Duke easily, and they are scheduling games on campus where they can control the circumstances. And I know that part of why Duke hasn't had any outbreaks is just luck. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be really clear. We got lucky. But part of it is also that Duke has, both for athletics and for the general student population, put in some really innovative testing programs and is being very aggressive about finding cases and isolating them and keeping it from getting too bad on campus. That's why in the past week or so you've seen, you know, Professors and not professors, but administrators and health officials from Duke featured on uh, in newspaper articles and TV programs and things like that. Duke is being held up as the shining example of a school that is doing things right. And so we're talking about basketball. Yes. But just in general, I am I am thankful that I'm associated with a school that consistently again and again and again does things the right way, does things the safe way, does things the smart way and doesn't let the lure of basketball override doing everything else the right way. And then the other correlator to that is, I also love the fact that we win a lot. <laughs> that always helps. Also, I will say when it comes to luck, chance favors the prepared mind. We are very, very prepared in everything that we do in, in our approach with Duke Athletics. So I appreciate that as well. I'm just thankful, I'll be very quick, for Duke stepping up and being a leader to combat social and racial injustice. I've been very proud of the team before that, but this summer... Uh, from the people's champ, Nolan Smith. Everyone remember Nolan Smith. I don't care if you went to Duke or not. Uh, to Henry Coleman, to Coach K. All of these guys have been stepping up in ways that we have not seen any Duke program 
uh, a Duke basketball program, I should say, step up in the past. So I hey, shout out Wendell Wendell Moore too. Wendell, Wendell Moore, Moore yeah. And if if I didn't name you, it's not because I didn't think you stepped up. I think the entire program has been one thousand percent in front of this. Duke as a whole has been one thousand percent in front of this and leading the charge for other schools to catch up uh, in this area. So I just tell them I'm thankful for them for that and to keep up the great work. And that will do it for us here on episode 254 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Again, we don't have any basketball tomorrow, but hopefully this weekend we will have some basketball to recap the season opener again against Coppin State on Saturday afternoon. Duke football hopefully back in action Saturday night. And let's hope that the players of all our sports teams remain safe. So until then, for Sam Klein and Jason Evans, I'm Donald Wine. Happy Thanksgiving to you all. May you all remain safe wherever you may be and whoever you may be with. And we'll leave you with the Duke Band to take us home.